<laughs> hello, everyone. How are you? Hello. Hello. Um, yeah, good. A little bit on PMS, but good. <laughs> you know, I was watching the other day uh, an Instagram uh, video. I don't remember. I wish I could. If I remember later, I will add it to the comments so you people can see it. It was a comedian, a woman, a comedian. And she was saying, like, now doctors have realized that the pain that women go through menstruation is can be equated to the pain when you're having a heart attack. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, of course, there's, it doesn't always, I mean, for every woman is different. And so it's not like a golden rule, but it can reach that kind of pain. And she was making jokes about like the advertisements. I mean, she was criticizing it, but she was using humor, humor to criticize this. She was making yeah. jokes about the advertisements, like, yeah, ride on a horse, just uh, do this and you will you be strong, you know, have confidence in yourself. You can still go and ride on a horse or climb a mountain or do stuff. And she was saying like, this is because men don't have periods and the other ones do. <laughs> because if like, if we yeah. men, I mean, when you have, when you are exposed to pain, something like a heart attack, you are obliged to rest. You know, you're not supposed to do other stuff. And yet, you know, women, they are pushed to, come on, just act normal, you know. Oh, you're, one, you're in one of those days. It's terrible. Exactly. And um, I think uh, there's a machine that can, um, that can make men feel the pain of period, basically. I've seen it. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I've seen videos of it, and it's quite funny, like, how, you know, men get really like, oh, oh my God, is that what you feel every month? Oh, my God. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't want to complain about it only as well. I think there's something that can be seen as a bit of an advantage as well, because I do love to go with, you know, the cycle a little bit more. It's like, you know, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, hello, feeling kind of great, but not really <laughs> because of women PMS. So I'm sort of like going towards the personal winter, you know, and it, um, it makes easier to know when I need rest. And I oh, wow. and I actually really like to see astrology like retrograde planets in that um lens as well. It's like when mm. they're retrogrades, they're like it's like taking a deep breath in. And like nature works with breath in, breath out. We don't have just breathing out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's this sort of like insane idea that we have that we need to be productive all the time that we need to be you know go-getters and blah 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 and so being a woman or you know a menstrual being kind of helps you to be aligned with that sense of breathing in breathing out it's like okay I don't feel I have to actually be out in the world right now and like fighting and doing things like I can just slow down now and go into a kind of a cocoon mode and 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 I think with astrology, we can use retrogrades in that lens as well, you know? Ah, it's a great comparison. It's a great idea, yes. Hmm. So we can just take a deep breath in. And then depending on the planet, we can just... I think we can use the lunations like that as well. Yes. Um, the new moon, we can take this two weeks or whatever, you know, when the moon is, is sort of waning to kind of take a deep breath in and reassess and rethink and so we do things in a more cyclic way rather than just you know yeah rather than just beating yourself up because we're not you know because we yes exactly because you're not being smart enough or doing enough things yes yeah yeah that's what i think and then menstruation helps a lot because it does um yeah i mean i feel 
it's like a day of the month at very least it's like a day of the month that i can't do anything <laughs> yeah but you know i find i find it so wise what you're saying like it would be so hard for me to accept that mm, like yeah. when i'm sick or stuff i get so angry at myself because i'm sick yeah yeah exactly i think that's the general conditioning like social conditioning is like you're a winner if you can hustle yeah so you get the you get the fruits and you get the the titles and the recognition if you can hustle if you cannot hustle you're you know you're not good enough there's a yeah. lot of guilt around um, around resting i find it such yes. a such a um yeah i mean uh, where would you see that astrologically i mean i would see saturn um, i think it's saturn mars maybe leo i mean you know they say we are going through the age of aquarius they were going into the age of aquarius and it feels like the age of leo to be honest <laughs> sometimes with all the instagrams and the ego ego instagrams and uh, and this this attitude to proactivity to activity to daily you know to, to the daylight the idea of being in the limelight all the time it was mm -hmm. very much like a leo period mm -hmm. in my opinion a solar thing isn't it it's very it's solar. A solar thing yes i think it's a solar yeah. thing i admitted yeah. that for me it's like now it's changing a lot of course but for a long while it was like sleeping was a waste of time like i couldn't understand <laughs> why people told me that they enjoy sleeping uh -huh. i was like yeah. well, I, I sleep because i have to if i could if I could just go on without sleeping, I wouldn't, you know. Now it's changing a bit. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's that I'm, I'm accepting myself and reality and nature in more, uh, in all of its different phases more. Uh, but I remember that. I remember thinking also, but, but to me, it was not so much because of the idea of action and being driven all the time, but it was mostly because when you dream, you are unconscious. So to me... It is not like you're not aware that you're dreaming. You know, you only realize that you're sleeping when you wake up. When you're sleeping, you're not consciously thinking, I'm enjoying, I'm sleeping. You know, like when you're eating a cake, and of course, <laughs> I have to put a food metaphor, of course. When you're eating a cake, you're enjoying, you, you realize, I'm eating this cake, and you feel the texture, and you feel the flavor, and that gives you pleasure. When you're having sex, you're doing that. When you're reading a book, you're doing that. Like when you're doing stuff, it's like your mind is aware that you're doing that. And so you enjoy it. And to me, when you go to sleep, it was like you only realize of the benefits and of the enjoyment of sleeping when you wake up. Not while you are sleeping. While you're sleeping, your consciousness is asleep. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I, I hated it. Though. That's why I hated about it. Sorry, yes. What, you, what are you going to say? That's very interesting. That's very rational. That's a very rational perspective because it's not real, right? What you experience while you're it's dreaming ends up not like being that. like the concept, you know, what we we conceptualize as real. Um, I'm watching some videos, like I'm doing this little like course, like it's a 28 day thing about sleep with my partner. And, um, mm. and it's incredible, like how sleep is important because you're, and also, like, obviously, you're doing Jungian psychology now, so you probably, like, have yes. a different idea of what you want to see. Yeah, I've but, changed. like, the whole idea of sleep is, like, it's not only mental and intellectual and, like, emotionally, like, healing, but it's also physically healing. It's, like, you can yes. literally rejuvenate if you have a good sleep, like, if you have, you know, and, and, and how much sleep is... is it's of paramount importance in our lives like yeah it's really yeah 
Yeah, I started to change that when I when I got the degree in psychology because we had one sub we have a few subjects about neurology mm-hmm. and the nervous system. And so we studied a lot the cycle of dreams. Now I don't remember so much because it was like very biological approach. Um, but we studied a lot that, and yeah, they, they, I remember they were saying like one third of our lives we spend sleeping. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's super and, important. And they were saying as well we can go twenty five days without food, and um, I can't remember how many days without water, like four days without water or something. And without sleep, we can only go six or seven days without. So basically, we can go longer without food unless you're a tourist. But <laughs> we can go without sleep for more than... Like, I never really suffered with insomnia. And the very few times in my life that I've suffered with insomnia was very difficult. It was, like, maddening no. even. Like, you know, you really want to rest. You want to lie down. And you cannot, you know, for some reason. In fact, I, I, I lived with somebody went to this spiritual retreat of some kind and and like just <laughs> to me it just sounded madness it's like they wouldn't allow her to sleep oh wow for like the whole time like they have to walk in circles and i'm like what the fuck? <laughs> it was torture like, why did you just she said, it was awful. <laughs> she said she'd cry and like she said it was really awful she wanted to do was sleep and in fact she's a taurus as well and she was like walking in circles and you know crying because all she wanted to do was to lie down and sleep. Um, wow! I mean, yeah, I can't imagine not being able to. I wouldn't even put myself. Into I would never do that. No, I would never yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thinking about our last podcast, and we were talking a little bit about how we do the consultations. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it would be nice to share also, like, how we feel about pricing the consultations. I think all of us, all, maybe not all of us, but I think most astrologers, not only astrologers, people who deal with these kind of services, we struggle mm-hmm. a bit on how to price it. I mean, I find, honestly, as a Virgo, it has been like the, you know, the, the story of my life, really, like never feeling like I know enough, never feeling that I've worked, you know, enough. And, and I also think, you know, having like Saturn ruling my third house is like, I got to be very, very serious about what I'm learning. And, you know, I'm like, mm. like if I'm going to do a talk, it has to be a research that's like beyond. You know, like, I can't even say everything. Like, I had this dream when I was preparing this talk. I had so many papers I was reading. I had this dream that I was dealt too many playing cards. And I kind of like I had to do something and there were too many in my hands, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like over delivering undercharging over delivering that's been something that i have done for for many many years yeah what about you yeah at first i was it's it's strange at first i was very confident and i wouldn't didn't have any fear about charging i didn't know much to be honest (laughs) um but then when i started to learn more i started having this thing of what how much should i charge should i charge for a while, I was doing the consultations. Like when I was practicing, I would charge, like I would let you choose. You know, I would do the consultation, and you could pay whatever you feel like it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for a while, I thought it was the right approach because some people can't afford a consultation, mm-hmm. and they really need it, and they want to. So I was mm-hmm. like, I think this is right. But then I was feeling like I read somewhere it's not fair because imagine like you. You go, you pay an amount, and then you talk to your friend, and you find out that she paid half of it. Mm-hmm. 
It might not feel fair. Yeah. I mean, not only that, I think there is a there is also a very common mentality in the sort of holistic health area. And I know a lot of like massage therapists as well and people that work with other things are like about healing and um, that I would kind of connect with astrology as well. I think is a very known phenomenon that people find really hard to charge. And they there is a lot of guilt around yeah. charging for your work as well it's like oh but it's not fair because some people they cannot afford and you know it's not fair it's like yeah sure but it's not fair you not making ends meet either it's like yeah i don't like you know i don't understand it's like a lot of people like to say oh but this is a spiritual thing and if you want to help other people you should be doing it for free like there's some people that go even like that extreme and but it's that's like, you know sorry yeah Nah, go on. Like all of the, you know, the second house is opposing the eighth house. Mm -hmm. So this idea that something that's rooted, something that's hidden, something that's secret, which is that we're doing, is very much against charging mm -hmm. resources, making money, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I see, I see it also in the, in, the, in the elements, like the earth element, you know, Taurus is opposing Scorpio, Virgo is opposing mm -hmm. Pisces. And Capricorn is opposing cancer. So Earth mm -hmm. is always opposing water. So I feel this is like a symbol of our, like what you were saying right now, our mind gets split. So you're either, you know, focused on sensitivity and spirituality and watery things, other realms and subjective realms, I would say, or you're focused in the real world, the Earth. You're focused on because the doctors don't have a problem to charge. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe this I don't think they do either. That's the <laughs> thing. And it's like, I get it. And that's okay to do a pro bono as well. It's like if I'm making my, you know, my needs, they're fine. They're covered. I can have a little bit of savings. I can do some traveling. I'm happy to do free consultations as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm okay with like still. There's this thing, you know, that I went into very very strongly after i finished my dissertation now and i think that's what we were talking about last week as well which is money mindset i don't understand why we talk about relationships conditioning so much and so easily but we don't talk about money mindset it's like it's yes. a given it's like yes. the way your family treated money the way you've learned about money at your house because we don't have a school either god forbid you know financial education no way so the way that you've been passed on, it's a given. Like you don't question, you don't talk about, you don't go to therapy to resolve, you know, and something that's just there. And I've done so much work on personal relationships. You know, it's like, oh my God, why do I attract the same kind of people? Why am I always in these relationships that don't fulfill me? And it was like years and years, like working on that, looking into that, blah, blah. And then my progressed ascendant moved to Capricorn and I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> what about my money mindset? like well, all the things I believe about money that I never thought about and I didn't sign up you know I didn't say yes this is exactly what I believe and this are my values and I'm signing it you know it was all completely unconscious like there are so many beliefs that we take for granted like did your parents fight about money well money brings problems did your you know there's so many different things did your mom never had money well you don't believe women can ever have money you know and 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 it it keeps going on and on. So when it comes to charging for services, there is definitely 
a layer, a thick layer of what we believe money is. You know, do you believe money is evil? Do you believe rich people are evil? Well, you're not going to get much money, are you? Because you're like <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be a bad person. And when you look into the cartoons and the films, all the villains were rich. <laughs> yeah, There's it's no true. Yes. Of like someone, you know, it's like the poor person is always the good one that's like on this hero journey and, you know, and the, the greedy, rich person. And it, and, and I go even a step oh further. Oh my God, you are so Capricorn rising right now. And I go a step further. I guess I've heard it to say there's no portrayal of a successful woman that's got money that's also, you know, a good person. It's like the rich women were always like evil bastards as well, you know? And so, well, I don't want to be like them. So it's wrong, it's bad, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, that's something that we really need to look into as well. And we're going to price our consultations and we're going to do all of this as well, you know? It's yes, like, and going back to... Money. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's just ask yourself, how do you feel about money, you know, before anything? Yeah. Um, that's really and the, the split that you were saying between spiritual and earth, like this is also yeah. a belief, like the spirituality should not be charged. Like... I mean, that's very like that's creating a huge polarity. And I think it's the polarity you're talking about. I mean, for some of us, it may have been played out in our lives and it's unconscious, like you were saying, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, absolutely. Spirituality is one realm and earth is another realm. And if you really want to be complete, we should try to pull them, bring them together it's and not be in the center. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, like, really look you know, very honestly look into your inheritance in terms of beliefs around it and and how money makes you feel, like how talking about money makes you feel, how having money or not having money makes you feel and, you know, if you've been sabotaging yourself or not or, you know, those are like all these questions I've been asking myself and I've been reading books about money mindset a lot as well um, because I reached the point where I was like, what is going on? Like, why can I not charge you know, proper price. You know, I think it all kind of got triggered when I saw a very much younger astrologer charging like twice what I was charging. And I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> like I've been doing this for way longer, you know, I'm writing my dissertation as well. It's like, why am I still, you know, charging as a as an apprentice? Like what's going on? Like, why am I doing this? Why do I keep over delivering? and undercharging you know i'm giving yeah. an experience way beyond it's like everyone at the end of our wow thank you so much you know i would sell like consultations which this year 23 i'm not doing anymore but like i would sell consultations like half an hour consultations so the people that cannot afford you know they could pay for 30 minutes only and they could have a consultation mm, but i don't yeah. stay longer because yeah. Scorpio reading. I like to go deeper. I don't want to talk about something that's that deep and complex in half an hour. <laughs> so I'd always end up staying for longer and, you know, yeah, it's just not fair. So I started like looking into that a lot more and being like, okay, that's something, you know, the trigger of seeing someone much younger that's been doing this for a lot less time than I have, charging a lot more than I was. And I was like, okay, what's going on like why am I doing this to myself you know why um why do I feel I'm not good enough you know and 
and then yeah i had to kind of go into the layers of the of the money you know of the story of money really yeah 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 very good very interesting yes i think it's a tricky it's a difficult moment like i noticed when i had to tell what the consultation was about i was always going around when when it came to the point of telling how much it was yeah like you were ashamed a bit you know like i was ashamed a bit that i had to charge i had to push myself yeah. like i'm not ashamed it's like uh, yeah uh, exactly it's it's you know you and also like there is this misconcept as well i think in our society of like per hour people charging per mm -hmm. hour right so yes, oh, my hourly rate is da -da -da. it's like i agree but you're not paying for my hour because if I am capable to interpret your chart in 20 minutes, it's not, <laughs> I shouldn't be punished for that and receive less because it was years and years of studying and paying for courses and paying for, you know, education and training and this and that and hours of my life that I dedicated to be good in that specific area of knowledge that now I can do in 20 minutes. So. Yeah. So is I think I seen Liz Green say that like you're not paying for my hour, you're paying for my expertise, and you know that's what you're paying for. And, and that's also, because... sorry, no, go on. I mean, also what happens sometimes is that because you have to fill one hour, you go longer. But actually, what you've discussed in the forty forty five minutes is so powerful and so intense that it would be more. I mean, this is maybe my bias because as a psychologist. We pay attention to always leave, not always, but to try to leave the consultation with something that will leave the person thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so I have maybe this bias, but I also I do think that sometimes even in an astrological consultation, it may be more important to maybe leave out the last 10 minutes, which are discussing really things that are not so fundamental, but you discuss so important things. And to leave that fresh, you know, in the mind and don't cover it up with something just because you need to fill the last 12 minutes with something. Yeah. I mean, you can always ask as well, isn't it? Like to the client and say, I feel like I've said all the things. Uh, I guess. Yes. Like, do you, you know, do you want to ask questions? Do you, you know, how are you feeling as well with all of the things that we've discussed and et cetera. And so you can um, let them be in the driver's seat as well a little bit more like for the yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. Minutes. totally yes but um not only for the 20 minutes i actually i ask them before this consultation starts i ask them like what are the things you're interested in what do you want to discuss what do you what do you care about i ask them a lot i was reading yeah. uh, this uh, essay on uh, the perception that clients have not clients patients have on their process and it seems that quite often the psychologists think that the process is going towards one way and this client thinks it's going to the other, to another way. Oh. So they were like surprised. Like sometimes, you know, the, the psychologists are like, yeah, yeah this, this patient is super committed to the process. And then when they do, when they ask the patient, they're like, no, I'm a bit bored. I don't think it's working at all, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> and also the other way around. Sometimes not, it doesn't, I would say it's the majority of cases. Uh, mm -hmm. It was like, if I remember, it was like half and half. But in right. half of half is a lot. It means that sometimes we may have the feeling that it's working, that it's we're doing great progress in the consultation and the person might not be interested. So I think it's very important to ask them, like, how yeah. are you feeling? Do you, are you getting yeah. information? Do you have any questions? Or what is this? Yeah. 
Do you think Absolutely. you will use this information? I think it's important. And I know it's like we expose ourselves when we do that. But I mean, we are not important. When we're doing the consultation, we're not important. The important thing is yeah. the client and what they are getting. So if, if we have to expose ourselves, we should do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've had a couple of consultations in the past, a long time ago, though, um, that I didn't ask them what they wanted. I think yeah. at that point as well, I was scared of them asking for something that I couldn't deliver. Whereas now, like if a client wants something that I can't deliver, I'm like happy to know that way before. So it really saves exactly, time. completely, it saves yes. Time saves, you know, um, because yeah, like so when someone is like, oh, I want you know medical astrology, I'm like, that's not my expertise, you know. Go check out Kira Sutherland or something, you know. And I try to indicate someone that I, I do feel has a good reputation, does a good work, you know, in the area they want to know, or when they want to know something that's too concrete. And, oh, I want to know if I'm, I don't know, if I'm going to get the job or like, if I, when should I invest my money? It's like, <laughs> that's yeah. not, I'm not the right person for you. Um, but in the past, you know, long, long time ago, I was a bit, you know, I was a bit scared of asking what they wanted because I was a bit scared of like not being able to deliver and it was better to be in denial than to actually accept. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's also something I've noticed with the students. Uh, we are so hard on ourselves when we're studying astrology. We want to be so fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, it's okay. It's okay. You're a human being. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't yeah. even need all of the interpretations. Like I tell a lot to my students, sometimes when they're struggling to synthesize something in the chart that's very like it's it, it, it points to a strong sense of split and they're trying to synthesize and to see what is the person going to feel and i tell them just tell them that on the session tell them that you were struggling to synthesize this because you have you felt this is happening and you felt also that's happening probably you're going to put in words what they actually feeling so it's like it, that's going to be powerful you're not going to say oh finally somebody understands that I yeah. am in constant contradiction with myself. And even the astrologer cannot, you know, synthesize it. Yeah. So maybe that's the first step into trying yeah. to bring yeah. them together. To relax with the knowledge, isn't it? Rather than like try to, I think for, for my part as well, like a lot of what I felt was like carrying the baggage of astrology being ridiculed as well in society. Mm. And it was like, I need to prove that there is something for you know yeah. <laughs> that I'm not crazy and I'm not doing so like and I'm not a charlatan and I'm not you know I need to prove so I would get into debate you know endless debates with skepticals in bars and things like that whereas now I'm just like can't be bothered we can't have a conversation I mean don't get me wrong but it's something that I don't I don't feel like, like a crusader anymore. I don't need to, you know, prove yeah. that astrology is this or is that. It's like, okay, I have a perspective of what astrology is, but there are so many others. And and I and I think in a way it was the masters that really helped. You yeah. know. And and even like also it was the masters that really helped for me being this Virgo that's always like, oh, but I don't know enough, but I don't know enough. Not to say that I think I know enough now, but I've proven myself to myself. It's like I've done mm. something that's hard and challenging and in another language and, you know, and I've managed. It was like there were times when I was like, oh, my God, am I going to do it? Oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this? Like, ah, you know, and, and I've done it. 
And so for me, I don't need to prove anything anymore, like, you know, to anyone. Like, I don't feel under pressure when I see a client like I used to feel when I was, you know, younger and I needed to prove that astrology has value. Now it's like, yeah, astrology has value. I know that. And, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm more present with the client for that reason because I don't need to, I don't know, like my, my own neurosis is not <laughs> so loud anymore that I can't be my huh? client. You know? <laughs> and how do you react? You know, because I always, I always trust the client. Like if I'm doing an interpretation and they tell me, no, I really don't feel like that. I always trust the client, like I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not interpreting properly, maybe I'm not seeing something in the chart, maybe the time is wrong, I don't know. I always trust their experience. And I was reading the other day, Richard Eidemann, who is like one of my role models as astrologer. In one of his books, he says, when, they, when the client contradicts the chart, I never trust the client, I trust the chart. So okay. I was like shocked. I was like, no, I can't believe he said that. Yeah, uh, it's nice though, because you know, it's not, it's good to have some idols, but sometimes it's risky because you lose the opportunity of being yourself. Uh, so in some ways it's good that my idols fall down. Um, yeah. I still have some, but... <laughs> uh, so how do you react when it's not... Um... I think there are levels. I think there are different levels of like, you know, because that can also be misinterpreted in a very egocentric way of like, I've got the truth, my client doesn't. And so if I'm saying that, and, and it depending on how big your ego is and how insecure you are underneath that, that you're going to be like, oh, I'm telling you you're a Gemini moon, so shut up and listen to me, you know? Like you mm. don't know anything about yourself. So again, like go towards this less healthy um way so i think there are different layers there because you know like you were telling last week about your client who had a lot of sagittarius and she was like yeah 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 like will i ever be able to commit and like take responsibility <laughs> and that's like you actually listening to her concerns in that moment you know it's like yeah sure i like adventure i yeah 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 but like what i'm really concerned right now is this so having that ability to adapt right to what they actually one from you and what you know they're talking about themselves as well um but so so yeah like i was saying there are like different layers if a chart is like let's say and i've seen this before it wasn't a client it was it was like a childhood friend or something you know someone that reappeared in my life and and asked me to have a look at her chart or whatever and like you know informally yeah, yeah. and there was like loads of scorpio and loads of like scorpionic you know plutonic things in the chart and and i think there was something involving moon as well and like the the sort of significators of the mother that was very very plutonic and then that person tell me that they have an amazing relationship with their mom and they talk to their mom every single day mm. and it's like <laughs> my best friend and i'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> but i didn't it wasn't like i didn't believe her and i thought she was actively you know she or he and no <laughs> they yeah. were actively like trying to lie to me but i do think that it was more like um unconsciousness yes. and you know and it wasn't wasn't up to me to say anything uh, and, I, and in fact i think i have had 
a client a very long time ago as well that you know but in the moment when I saw the 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 kind of denial because it felt like denial I didn't feel entitled to say anything or to invade that boundary because it felt like a boundary and it mm. felt like like a personal individual boundary within themselves yeah. you know like I'm not ready to assess this I'm not ready to look into this so this is what I, you know this is how I see as a as a protection so I was like okay I mm. can't really go in there like it was it definitely felt like a landmine you know yeah and also I'm thinking as you speak, like people react to their charts. Like I've seen people who had Neptune rising, for instance, and they show themselves in a very non-sensitive, like very rational, very, and you're like, come on, you have a huge Neptune. And mm -hmm. it, and if you, it's like you're saying, instead of fighting that, if you embrace it, mm -hmm. you can see it as a defense. You can see it, okay. I mean, and his Neptune probably, I'm thinking of one case, is, uh, you know, it's kind of being split all, all over around this person. <laughs> but he's so rational and, uh, and organized, you know, he doesn't believe uh, why he's constantly being met by this, uh, the way he would describe it, it would be this weak, lousy, incapable people of achievements, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe it's the opportunity to touch your sensitivity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Like, there's definitely those cases as well. And especially, you know, like when you were saying about your your students and the splits in the chart and stuff, it's really interesting because, I mean, obviously we all have splits and it's something that's very fairly common in the chart to be, you know, yeah. reflection conflicts and, and dichotomies in, in our psyches and in ourselves. But... There's some interesting ways to see how the person might prioritize one yeah. instead of the other, you know, like in, in according to what they have there as well. Like, and, and I think strong planets, for example, count as that. Like if you have, um, you know, when you're saying like, I really don't like exalted planets and et cetera. And I think that counts a little bit like that. If you have an exalted planet, that's going to be a preference in the chart. It's like, I am a rational person, you know, exalted Saturn. And then they have a Neptune rising and then they're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to have anything to do with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting. But again, yeah, yeah I, I, I do trust the client to meet them where they are, though. Um, I like to always tell them that for them to imagine their chart as a forest, because, you know, I'm, I'm an earthy Virgo and I love to think about the forest and to think about ecosystem. It's like your chart is an ecosystem. If you don't recognize that Neptune on your ascendant, that's going to be imbalanced and then you're going to create a whole imbalance with the ecosystem. So mm. what kind of attuning things do you feel drawn to? Do you like to draw? Do you like to paint? Do you like to dance? Do you like to meditate? Do you like to, you know, there must be something within the whole range of possibilities that you feel is for you. You know, and you'd like mm. to you know, explore a little bit more. Um, and I think that's our job as astrologers, you know, is not necessarily to um, not trust the client. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like giving away parts of themselves, but to kind of try to help them to see within the range of possibilities of what a moon in Gemini can be about, or what a Neptune-Mars conjunction can be about, within the whole range of possibilities, what is the, which ones are the ones that they feel drawn to, that they are curious about, that they would like to explore more, and that would be a way 
of experiencing their char as an ecosystem, as a forest, as a you know, as a whole, rather than just bits and mm. and live unconscious and give away to other people and etc. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a nice metaphor. It's a nice idea. Mm. Or like a conductor as well. That's another great one. Like you're the conductor of the orchestra. Think about yourself in the middle of the chart, you know, and then like how you how are you gonna conduct all of these different things, you know, and bring mm. them to light in different times, different moments of your life, you know? There's like different personality. Yeah, nice. Nice. It's a nice metaphor. Yeah. Mm. Cool, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, are we running out of time? Uh, I think um, a little bit. Uh, I think we, we still have a few more minutes. Yeah. Uh, if okay. we want to say something else. Um, yeah, you're doing your talk soon, though, no? We... I'm doing How mine. is that going? Your talk. You're giving a talk soon, no? Ah, on the 14th, I'm giving the talk on Pluto and Aquarius with Darby Costello. She's going to be talking also about Pluto and Aquarius and Saturn in Pisces. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I've been reading a lot about the French Revolution <laughs> because, you know, this is the thing what happens also to people who are struggling on how to charge. What happens also when you start charging is that you become a professional astrologer. I remember yeah. when I was when I was starting, when I was doing astrology, when I first started, I was like, no, I let you charge what you want. And, you know, I started coming up with all of these ways of putting it to avoid the issue. I remember now. Also, at some point, I did a wish list in Amazon and you could you could buy me a gift in Amazon from the books I wanted instead of asking for money. You know, it was like, <laughs> so I remember talking to my sister, my sister, she's a psychologist, and she said, if you don't charge, you will never become a professional astrologer. She said, this is this is the difference of the importance. Yeah. What is what you need to to see in your mind that People will not see you as a professional astrologer if you don't yes. charge. Yeah. They will see it's your hobby. They might, they might enjoy it. You might know a lot, but it won't yeah. be your profession. This is what differentiates mm -hmm. one thing and the other. So I started charging. When you become a professional astrologer, sometimes you will be invited to give talks or you will want to give talks and you will offer yourself to give talks. And quite often, you have to define what you're going to be talking about months in advance. <laughs> so you have this fantastic idea. And then when the moment of the talk is arriving, you are reading out your blurb and you're like, what? What was I thinking? Why did I choose this? Why did I choose this? You know, maybe at that moment you are reading something about that. So you're super excited and you say, I'm going to talk about this. But by the time the talk comes, you're already, you're now entertaining some other idea. So this now is not it's like, like, so like art. I tell you what, there is an art of writing the most generic blurb ever. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Platina Aquarius. And it's like, Platina Aquarius, the new era. And you know, and then you write a couple of phrases like, what, where will we go in the world? When this <laughs> yeah. change, and you know, Pluto stays in a sign for this many years. And then you leave it very open. Because when the talk comes, you're like, okay, I'm feeling like talking about AI. <laughs> and you yeah. have to promise that, you know. <laughs> so my blurb says that Pluto, in Pluto was in Aquarius when the mm -hmm. French Revolution happened. Yeah. And basically, because I mean, I came up with this idea because it's one of the things I think that will happen. Pluto in Aquarius, you know, it's like we expose in society what is not making us free. 
and we want to change society to get freedom, right? So change comes from revolution, like Pluto, change comes from revolution, Aquarius. This is the idea of Pluto and Aquarius. Now, the, I mean, one of the possible ideas I'm saying, I mean, of course. Now, the, the French Revolution had this beautiful idea of men being free. And the idea, again, Pluto and Aquarius takes it to the extreme, men being completely free, which I think it's a utopian. I mean, because it's, it's polarizing freedom. There's always a shadow. And, and the price to pay, what was the price to pay to get that freedom? So basically, this is my idea of the talk. Like if we, I'm not just going to talk about the French Revolution, of course, but if we go back to try to understand how Pluto and Aquarius played out in the French Revolution, maybe we will understand some things about how Pluto and Aquarius is already, I think we can already see it being played out now. Because, you know, the French Revolution, what it did was to, Democratize, 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 make, make, yeah, democratize yeah. ideas that were planted, were seeded when Pluto was in Capricorn. So when right. Pluto was in Capricorn, it's like we, we, we created, we, we changed our ideas of what society should be. You know, we kind of want to change the structure of society. And when Pluto comes into Aquarius, we expand that, we take it out to the world. And, well, this is basically my idea, yeah. Interesting, yeah. I mean, like, it's an amazing topic, Plutin Aquarius, and it will be there for 20 years, so it's like... We're going to see important. what it makes, yes. It's going to be very relevant. I mean, I do see Plutin Capricorn, like, a couple of days ago, I watched the documentary on Netflix. I love, like, my documentaries and my <laughs> my astrological views and everything. It's like, it's like constantly watching documentaries and, like, relating to astrology. I watched this documentary about Ghislaine Maxwell. So there's a woman that got convicted for the, the whole Jeffrey Epstein case, you know, of the, the sexual trafficking of minors in the private yes. island. I think that's the epitome of Plutino in Capricorn. I think that's the mm. epitome. It's like a very great example of Pluto traveling Capricorn and how the people, the powerful people that have a lot of money got actually convicted for the first time. Like, I mean, mm. I don't know if I'm being ignorant. If anyone knows about all their cases, please write to us and let us know because I don't remember, you know, and, and she's a socialite, really rich, came from this really rich empire, you know, from since her dad knew all these powerful people and she's convicted 20 years in prison. And she's got a lot of Capricorn in her chart as well, which I think is very interesting. It's like, a, and in fact, she got arrested during her Saturn return, and her mm. Saturn was twenty-seven or twenty-eight degrees Capricorn. So she was having her Saturn return during this period, you know, of Saturn in Capricorn, and then she got arrested, and now she's in prison. And I think that came out the the number of years that she'd have to be in prison came out in twenty-two now which is when Pluto was over her Saturn. So wow. Pluto was exact over her Saturn in Capricorn, and I think she was a mouthpiece of Pluto in Capricorn, or like she was an example of Pluto in Capricorn, really. like It's like what Liz Green said, which I love, um, as per, um, but it's where she said that Pluto dredges into the pond, of the dark pond of the sign that's traveling through. And so yes, the dark exactly. Pond, is this like authorities and you know and another thing was um this paper i read which made me chuckle and the guys being like really sort of cynical saying we were you know 
blessed. I mean, not really blessed, but we were really like cursed with like the worst leadership ever, like since 1930s during a global pandemic. We had Trump, we had, you know, Boris Johnson, we had Bolsonaro in Brazil, we had all of these like really awful leaders that all they cared was about power for power's sake. There's nothing to do with suffering for people. So I think that was Putin Capricorn. Now Putin Aquarius, you know, it would be an interesting time as well. Yeah, Yeah. we'll see. And I think Darby is preparing something about how it's going to interact with Saturn in Pisces. Right. So Saturn goes into Pisces, yes. Nice. I love Darby. I think she's she's got some really inspiring lectures. Yes, I'm curious to see how it comes out. Yeah, I think it's going to be nice. It's going to be exciting. So this is going to be the 14th of January if people want to join. And you need to go to Academy of Astrology uh, webpage to to join. And you're going to see both talks. And then we have like an open dialogue trying to... Nice. I have a talk as well on the 18th January. That's gonna. That's still two weeks then. But I have a talk for the lodge. Is it the lodge? No, it's not the lodge. <laughs> I got one for the lodge. It's in March. Um, it's for an astrology group. But I can tell you all about next week thing. But it's gonna be a talk about the IC. Yeah, about the journey. Ah, nice. Also, you were talking about the roots of your where you're coming from. Uh, yeah, and your exactly. inheritance and these kind of things. I think it has to do with the IC. Even though inheritance, we put it in the eighth house, I think there's yeah. a lot of it in the IC. Yeah, and like even like thinking, you know, I love to think with images as well. There's like, think about the roots, actual roots of plants, you know, and like they're basically the sustenance of that plant. It was heavily dependent on those roots. You know, if those roots are rotten, if you overwater a plant, that's it, they're gone because they can't, get nurturance and nourishment anymore or Mm -hmm. even a tree the you know however tall the tree can get really depends on those roots as well strong they are you know um stabilizing that tree so i think it's similar with our ic you know yeah i agree yeah Yeah. very nice very interesting good thank you for sharing that amazing okay great all right yeah let's meet up next week again (laughs) let's meet next week and if you have any comments or any suggestions of themes you would like us to talk about our email is astrology for the outcast at Mm -hmm. (laughs) gmail.com slowly we're remembering our roots (laughs) finally we remember our roots we remember the name of the podcast and (laughs) fernanda your your instagram is hitchhiking stars right yeah it's a hitchhiking stars, everything, or fernandapaiva.co, C-O. So just go to my website. There are links for everything there. And I'm um, revamping my website as well in the meantime. So it's going to be changed in a couple of weeks. Oh, um, nice. Cool. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, with all the knowledge about marketing that I'm getting now. Um, but um, I was going to say something else. It's a full moon now as well. It's a full moon in two days. Ah, it's true. Yes. Full moon, the day of astrologers, isn't it? Sixth of January is the day of astrologers. I think astrologers' day or something. Yeah. I mean, it depends where. In Argentina, we consider the day of astrologers the sixth of January because the wise kings of the east. Yeah, in Brazil as well. 
There is a bar in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Shame, I mean, if you ever come to visit me and I'm here, we have to go together. And it's called Midheaven, Meio do Céu. And, ah. um, and it's like a whole like astrology, sort of there's like constellations on the wall and it's just really nice. Oh. Like, they're going to do a celebration for Astrologers Day and give free drinks to astrologers. So I might go there. Oh my God, I wish I was there. <laughs> I know. And uh, yeah, well, happy full moon, everyone. I mean, don't go crazy with your emotions because it's a full moon in Cancer and uh, make the most of it. I hope you make the most of it. No? Yeah, happy full moon, everyone. Yeah, and I'll uh, see you next week. Huh? See you next week. Bye bye.